I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. Nothing is normal or natural or everything is game. I'm gonna start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed for freaking fire miles. We have to get out of this building. They made soup out of my research turtle. See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you help me out. I've abandoned my sewing machine. Hello and welcome to West versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator. My name is Eric Kubrick. Uh-huh. And my name is Jeremy. Uh, I'll say uh, Jeremy uh, Day-Lewis. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Great. How many years did you have? Did you do improv, by the way? Oh, to, oh, a million. I did it for. I did my whole <laughs> life practically. And boy, uh, one year in COVID later, can't remember a single thing. Yeah, yeah. No, and no. Uh, and. Jeremy, this is you know it's kind of a sad day. This is the uh, of course the last. It's Twin Peaks Day, by the way. You know, someone uh, wrote into into us, Jeremy, and, you know, by all means, at HubieHalloween1 is our Twitter account. Could not get at HubieHalloween. We didn't get in early enough. But, uh, you know, it, it, the uh, uh, someone wrote in and they asked a message. They, they, they asked a question that I would like to just address publicly, and the answer is briefs. Ah. No, the answer, the the question that they asked is they said they said they just started watching Twin Peaks, which you love to hear it, and uh, they're they're loving it. And they asked, they were like, you know, I want to listen to your guys' episodes on the Twin Peaks series, but I'm worried about spoilers. And I will just, I just want everyone to know, spoiler free, my friends, mm-hmm. listen away. Mm-hmm. We uh, th- those were a lot of fun to do. And uh, you know, if you're if you're if you've not watched that show and you want to watch that show, that's a, a great companion piece, right, Jeremy? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. Must do. And uh, you know, we end the podcast with a little uh, snippet of uh, uh, Audrey's dance. And this person, <laughs> I thought this was so <laughs> ridiculous. They uh, uh, because they listened to our podcast before watching Twin Peaks. When they play Audrey's dance in the show, they associate it with, with our podcast, <laughs> which I think is really funny. That's great. Uh, That's yeah. great. So, Jeremy, we're about to talk about uh, our final Paul W. or Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> movie. In yeah. the You're, uh, that was a little bit of a, of a uh, Freudian slip there, Eric. You, yeah, I, yeah. I, I suppose it is. But, you know, before we get into that, uh, I think, you know... You know, let's say I'm I, I'm just discovering this podcast, and I'm like, all right, well, these guys talk about what they talk talk about Chucky and and uh, Stanley Kubrick, David Lynch, Paul Thomas Anderson. But what else do they talk about? I want to know. I want more. Yeah. Where where would you go? What would you do? Well, I would probably venture over to a little website, and this is, I believe is still a website on the internet called patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy, where you can find uh, a lot of extra bonus content for the low, low price of, I believe it's $5 a month. I mean, come on. That's what, a, sand- a Jersey Mike's sandwich? Not even a regular <laughs> size. And uh, you can get a... What I would what I would describe as a litany of bonus content, all kind of related to our our sort of sick twisted sense of uh, 
of uh of taste or six or sick twisted tastes eric you know uh we we cover uh, you know stuff like bonus paul thomas anderson music videos commercials directed by david lynch we even did gummo recently the harmony corrine film mm. gummo what a depressing time that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great time. I mean, we we do fan. Rec- There's a tier where you can every so, every couple months you can force us to do an episode. Which, by the way, the next one, Jeremy, uh, we'll talk about it on the next Patreon. We got our next Brian Brian request. We even have a tier, Jeremy, um, and I lowered it from four thousand dollars to four hundred dollars. Uh, we have a tier called the Mordecai tier where if you choose that tier, we will do an episode on the film Mordecai. Uh, mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I lowered it from $4,000 because I had like, uh, I panicked thinking about the idea of someone like accidentally choosing that and the um, just absolute pain in the ass it would be to have to figure out how to refund, you know, $4,000 to someone uh so you know get it while it's hot 400 bucks we'll cover the johnny depp comedy vehicle mordecai and jeremy we're doing something different for if you've been listening along to this iteration of the podcast we you know we've been doing um the uh uh wes anderson movies okay and then we do a paul thomas anderson movie but then jeremy I don't know if you've noticed, but we have been also covering the filmography of a Paul W.S. Anderson. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think if you're listening along to this podcast, look, I, I've i said this before. I, who's to say anything is bad besides the movie Soldier, I do think is kind of just is bad. But I think... In my experience, a lot of these Paul W.S. Anderson films are simply not for me. And um, <laughs> I really realized this while uh, trying to finish the Three Musketeers film for a next episode. Um, so as a bit of a, a fun idea, because we are today done with the PTA movies and we do have like five more Paul W.S. Anderson <laughs> movies to go, we are going to combine the uh 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 what's it called the three musketeers and pompeii into one episode next week and we're gonna do something a little bit different and it's a little challenge Mm -hmm. that i hope will go viral Mm -hmm. jeremy i hope hashtag three musketeers (laughs) pompeii challenge goes viral much like the ice bucket challenge yes oh yes um i you know i hope they're talking about it on good morning america I hope James Corden's making, you know, jokes about it uh, all week. Mm-hmm. It's 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 mm-hmm. going to be a great time. Here's the challenge. And this is what Jeremy and I will be doing on the on the next episode. Each of us will try and finish both The Three Musketeers and Pompeii. And on next week's episode, you will find out how far we got into either movie. <laughs> How did <laughs> sounds even more exciting when I when I say it out loud. So we will be covering both of those episodes. Yeah, uh, both those films know. are going to get covered in some way. We cannot, unfortunately, at this time, uh, due to um, well, let's just blame it on COVID nineteen, Eric. We cannot. Uh, <laughs> We cannot promise you that we are going to uh, necessarily finish both films. We're going to do our best. Yes, I think it's implied that like we probably 
will not. One, at least one of us yeah. won't finish. This the genesis of this is I was explaining to Jeremy. You know, here behind the curtain, I kind of we had a discussion before the episode mm-hmm. uh, uh, that. Uh, I essentially want to bail on Paul W. S. And, uh, Paul W. S. Anderson mm-hmm. movies entirely. Although we're so close to the end, we kind of we got to we got to do it. Um, yeah, yeah. And the uh, the you know my feelings uh, f- uh, this feeling happened during my either my second or third time trying to finish the Three Musketeers movie. Um, like it's it's a movie I've never really experienced anything like it. Like I, I, I was getting frustrated that I would, I couldn't pay attention to it. <laughs> like I, it, like literally would not hold my attention. Um, not that it's a complicated movie. It's just uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah. But we're so we'll, we'll we'll combine the two. So anyway, Jeremy, uh, I don't want to talk about this all episode. I want to talk about our boy. We want to talk about our big boy, our nice big boy who we really love and cherish and respect and are proud of. Let's be honest. Now, we if if all the Anderson boys are our sons, <laughs> I feel like Paul WS is the son who's been the naughty boy. He's the one who's in the doghouse oh, yeah. for making bad movies. <laughs> Uh, but, but, but we have a go- we have two golden children and this is our last film from Paul Thomas Anderson. I can't believe it's already over. Now I, Eric, tell me if I'm wrong here, if I'm talking out of school, but as soon as that film soggy bottom comes out, I believe we will cover it on this show. Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's called soggy. Uh, I believe it's called soggy bottom. At least that's the the working title for it. I believe is called. Uh, it's known as Soggy Bottom. Ah, uh, wow, you're right. The one with Bradley Cooper, <laughs> Benny Safdie, Alana Haim. Man. Yeah, Joseph Cross, high school student who becomes a famous child actor in the '70s. Interesting. Um. Yeah. You know what? This is someone I've seen like st- like behind. I think behind the scenes images from the set. I have not looked into anything else about this movie. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this one. I'm uh, very very excited. Uh, you know, the hopes are high. Yeah. But uh, Jeremy, what was your you know coming off of? Uh, we talked about Inherent Vice, and uh, you know, I think we both we both like that movie. But um, I can't remember what your first experience with it was. But I was very excited, and I was kind of let down the first time I watched it. Um, so, and I hadn't watched it again since this podcast. So my, like, the anticipation for me for going into um, Phantom Thread was kind of like, well, I don't know about this. I know that necessar- I don't necessarily think the uh, the trailer and the subject matter did not really pique my interest too much, but sure. I was excited... Like, hey, we're getting another PTA. You know, sure, I didn't like uh, I didn't like Inherent Vice that much that first time, but right. come on, I mean, Punch Drunk Love, The Master, some of my favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, how were you, How were you feeling going into Phantom Thread? I, at, I, I, I agree with you in that when I'm looking at the trailers and I'm seeing, okay, this movie looks like it's gonna be about dresses. <laughs> I was like, you know, 
that's not really my thing. But at this point, I feel like you're kind of with me here on this. That we knew to trust <laughs> in what in the in what he was doing. Like maybe mm. this was gonna be good anyways, even if, despite the fact that it was about dresses. And like, and we always know going into a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, it's never gonna be totally about the 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 initial premise or the initial promise of the film. We know there's going to be something in here. It's going to be a little bit more juicy, a little bit more tasty. I uh, did think that all the imagery looked beautiful though from the trailer. I was like, this is going to be at least it's going to be a beautiful film. And you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, I don't want to call him like twisted. You know, he's not like a twisted, you know, uh, creator, but he is definitely Mm. one who like it's, you know, like, like the master you know like eh, there's a way to do the master that's you know a pretty boring you know this guy meets this guy they're kind of doing the scientology thing and then there's a way to do it paul thomas anderson style where it's like oh wow um every shot and every scene is just oozing with like beautiful layers and metaphor and analogy like it's mm. it, it i i knew that it, i i knew Anytime a Paul Thomas Anderson movie comes out, I, I'm excited sort of immediately. And Eric, I do want to point out that this movie comes out, yes, uh, I believe it's December 25th, 2017. Um, and I remember your birthday happened. Not When's your birthday? Uh, Jan 13. Yes. Your birthday happened not that much longer after this movie came out. And I remember this is one of the first times we'd been friends for a while. But this is one of the first times we, we became friends on a whole nother level at your birthday party, which I believe in 2018. Yeah, it was the Benny one. <laughs> uh, we started yeah. talking about film because I drove you up there and we started talking yeah. about movies. A conversation, I believe, directly uh the 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 results of which directly impacted this very show we're doing today oh yeah yeah i remember i remember that yeah yeah we went to the uh the santa monica this is the second consecutive birthday i had had at the santa monica (laughs) benihana which is where they uh i believe that's the one where they shot that that office episode um but yeah, right. yes, I remember that. I remember that evening. I forgot that that was a uh, around the time that Phantom Thread came out. But you know, uh, so t- tell me. I know that you had an interesting first uh, screening viewing of Phantom Thread, right? Um, yeah, I with, saw it. Uh, uh, I saw it with with Jack with Jackie, my uh, my my girlfriend is my still girlfriend, um, and I saw it the day. I saw New Year's Day at the um oh what's it called? What's the the Hollywood Theater, the Arclight? Arclight in the in the seventy millimeter room. Um so mm, it's seventy the Cinerama Dome. Not in the Cinerama Dome, but just in their in their seventy millimeter room. So it's like they have a couple of screens that can do seventy millimeter prints and uh and yeah, we saw it in there and uh we all got like it was like we went to a play. Where we had, we mm. got like uh, these big books that had like illustrations from the film. It was a whole thing, and then oh, and then later, uh, Jackie somehow got us tickets to go see it again. I think I believe at the Ace Hotel, where 
it was uh, it, the movie had been out for a while. It was like right before awards season or right before, yeah, the Academy Awards. And uh, both Paul Thomas Anderson and Johnny Greenwood both mm. uh, introduced the film. And then a live orchestra played the score. Yes, I th- yes, I remember you telling me about this, and I thought that uh, for some reason I thought that that was your first uh, viewing of it, which is why it's very I set it up yeah, that no, way. No, it's very it. importantly my second viewing, and I'll tell you why. My first viewing of it, I'm I I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I, I watched it the first time, and I'm like, I get it, or I don't get it, or I kind of get it. This is pretty good, a little on the boring side, and mm-hmm. very stuffy. The second time I watched it, people are like rolling out of their chairs in laughter. And I realized this is a total comedy and I didn't get it the first time I watched it. But this movie is a funny movie. <laughs> Just no two ways yeah. about it. it it's, a, it's actually a comedy that a lot of people didn't understand or at least I didn't understand when I first saw it. And the, uh, the trailers are very misleading. In fact, if you watch, there's an interview with Paul Thomas Anderson on the Jimmy Kimmel show, which I think is really weird that like, first of all, that PTA is doing late night. Like it was, just, it's like a, it's a kind of a rare thing yeah. for him. And if you watch it, the first thing Kimmel brings up, he goes, this is a really funny movie, even though the, the previews wouldn't let, would lead you to believe it's not. And he goes, did you, did you know it's a funny movie <laughs> to Paul Thomas Anderson? He's like, <laughs> Paul's like, and that's when they get into this discussion about how Daniel Day-Lewis is actually a pretty funny guy. Um, like, the, for example, he says in this interview that the idea of naming the character Reynolds Woodcock was Daniel Day-Lewis's idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, again, it's not, this is the, this movie isn't like airplane. It's not like, you're not going to like piss your pants laughing, but it's... Uh, Speak for yourself. <laughs> You might piss your pants for other reasons while watching it, but not not in laughter. Yeah. But it's uh, it's not like it's like the funniest movie you'll ever see. But it's just there's so much tension and irony, kind of that goes throughout the entire film. Uh, it reminds me. It's kind of funny in the way. And you said Kubrick at the beginning of this uh, podcast, and I'm wondering if the why you said that because it does remind me of humor the same way that Kubrick would do humor, which is really dark really dry yeah um my my first experience i saw it probably in the same room as you at the because i saw it on film there at the arclight not the same night uh but i i too got the big the big book i actually grabbed like five of them because they just had stacks of them um i don't know if anyone wants one (laughs) i can I can maybe mail it to you because I still have them. But uh, yeah, I my I had the exact same first experience. I I was like kind of, um, almost like sort of frustrated with how like I, I, bored I felt. Like I, I was kind of like, man, like two in a row where I'm like not digging a PTA movie as nearly as much as I hoped. And actually, you are the one who told me. I think that I think because of you telling me the story about you know uh, uh, the Ace Hotel viewing and people laughing, um, I realized, uh, oh, maybe I was watching it the wrong way and I just saw it with the wrong crowd or something. And now this viewing, I'm like much like Inherent Vice, I'm like, 
I really like this movie. This is a great movie, and I, I, I think it's really good. I will say it is, um, you know, I think All Told, uh, Hard Eight is probably my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is, like, right above that. That being said, every single Paul Thomas Anderson movie is really good. <laughs> so, yeah. like, this is a really good movie. Um and yeah, it, this was for sure my least favorite until this most recent viewing. And uh, yeah, I I think my main thing, my you know my main thing with this movie is it kind of could have been anything. And this isn't like I'm not saying he made like you know the wrong choice or whatever. It's just not the choice that resonates as much for me. Is making him like uh, Day Lewis's character, like a, a dressmaker, you know? Right. Because it could be any type of. He could have picked anything. And I do. I do think you know. He, it sounds like PTA was kind of going through a phase where he was he was very interested in fashion design, and I mm-hmm. think when you have that inspiration and that's what you're thinking about at the time, then that's that's cool to include that. Um, j- just I think that I would like this movie a little bit more if it was like something different that I that I like personally you know uh I guess identify with or whatever but also on a general level it's a really funny movie about just like an artist who takes his work way too seriously Mm -hmm. and uh you know um it's good it's it, it is a good movie I did still I will say even watching it through the comedy lens it does kind kind of feel like a lot slower uh. than a lot of other Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Not to use the word boring, but there are still parts where I'm like, I don't know. It almost feels like you can you can like feel Paul Thomas Anderson's like taste or his like cinematic, you know, uh, eye or whatever, like uh, aging. You know, like becoming more uh, wise or something. Yeah, for like sure, feel, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I t- I totally agree. It's 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 a more mature film than maybe. I mean, it does it does remind me a little bit of the master in the way that it looks and in the pacing of it. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if some people found the master to be slow. Also, I personally don't, but I. I could see, I could see that. Inherent Vice is, you know, it's a romp, and There'll Be Blood is its, its own different beast. But uh, this and The Master feel similar in pacing and tone, and like you'll have long stretches where seemingly nothing really big happens, you know. Um, mm. But yeah, this feels like uh, we we already know from his interviews that this is about um, this is about a time. PTA got sick and he was being babied by Maya Rudolph, his wife. And, mm-hmm. and he was, this was, this is sort of the, the, uh, an imaginary, like a dream that he had like this, or like an, uh, like a vision he had of like wanting to stay sick forever. He was so busy with what he was doing that he just wanted to just stay sick and be taken mm-hmm. care of by his wife. And so that's sort of the germ of where this idea came from. Um, which is inherently sort of a funny premise, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, but yeah, but in, in, in practice, the film does feel like a very mature, 
sort of de- almost like a little bit of a departure. I would also say that um, back to the Kubrick, it's got Barry Lyndon written all over it, doesn't it? That mm. that kind of stuffy British, older, you know, yeah. I I don't know. Uh, at least that was my vibe of it. Maybe just because of the fashion and, and the time period, but also just like how Barry Lyndon has very little big action moments, right? And a lot more just like, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, you know? Yeah. Although, that duel scene. That duel scene's great. great. But I would argue there's a lot of scenes in this that are like, oh, daddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's dive into some of the IMDb trivia here. Uh, so PTA uh, uh, said his favorite line in the film, and I think this might be mine, is the T is going out, the interruption is staying right here with me. <laughs> uh, which is great. Uh, Vicky Cripes, is it Cripes? Uh, did not meet Daniel Day-Lewis until her first day on set. As Day-Lewis famously stays in character during production of his films, Cripes or Creeps was instructed to refer to him as Reynolds for the duration of the filming. In multiple interviews promoting the film, she still referred to Day-Lewis as Reynolds. Um, yeah, that's something you always mm-hmm. hear about Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. Very yeah. method guy. Method actor, which I imagine with this film, delightful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Yes. I can't imagine, uh, you know, I can't imagine there were any situations where a PA was was treated poorly. Right. (laughs) No, I'm sure, I'm actually sure Daniel Day-Lewis was very nice to everyone. Uh, In preparation for the film, Daniel Day-Lewis watched archival footage of 1940s and 50s fashion shows, studied famous designers, consulted with the curator of fashion and textiles of the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. Uh, also, he learned how to sew, and he practiced on his wife, Rebecca Miller, trying to recreate a Balenciaga sheath dress mm-hmm. that was inspired by... I love that. I yeah. mean, I don't know. It's I, I do really love... I, I really do think you can tell, um, like, after a performance when I read or hear, like, they, were, they got really into character and, like, sort of, like, did you know, learned yeah. to sew or like did it something that they really didn't have to do. It pretty much usually pays off, I think. Um, yeah. And I think it's cool because didn't Day-Lewis like came out of retirement to do this, didn't he? Or no? Uh, yes, technically he did. And he went back into retirement after. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what do you think of Leslie Manville in this, Jeremy? Love Leslie Manville. Might be one of the I mean one of the highlights of the film. I'm more on the fence. I think I mean I'm pretty pro, but I'm more on the fence about Vicky Creeps. What do you think about Vicky? I like her. I like her too. Yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to decide if I love her. Um I don't know. I didn't have a I I I, I didn't have that uh feeling, I guess, when I was watching this. I think she's I don't know. I think she does the sort of like uh, uh, I'm trying to th- think how, think of how to describe her character because there's a point where her character almost turns <laughs> like a little bit bad, or not even necessarily. Well, yeah, I guess she does poison someone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like she, her character, she does her character's transformation well. It, it at least worked for me, but yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've never seen her in anything else besides this, but have you? No. She yeah. is uh, a Luxembourgish mm-hmm. actress. Uh, so she, I guess she's been in a bunch of American films. A lot of stuff, a lot of French, German, and Luxembourgish productions. Uh, which, by the way, I have to record a, a uh, French podcast after this. <laughs> Great, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's see here. <laughs> The script was written by PTA in collaboration with Day-Lewis. Anderson has even said that he probably should have some kind of co-writing credit. That's pretty cool. I wonder... I don't remember reading anything like that about uh, There Will Be Blood. But that's pretty rad, and it makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, this is pretty much Day-Lewis's movie. Yeah. Oh, and so is There Will Be Blood. I feel like, you know, yeah. it's just like there he's in almost every single scene. I believe that uh that's the, the case for both films. Um Daniel Day-Lewis was also nominated for an Oscar again for this film. He didn't win, which is rare for him, but he he was definitely nominated. <laughs> um the 35 million dollars, this is the second highest budgeted movie of PTAs after Magnolia at mm-hmm. 37 million. Oof. Both of those actually sound low, like lower than I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, although after you get past like, honestly, after you get past like 1 million, I don't really comprehend money anymore. Amount. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Greenwood, we mentioned, um, it's their fourth collaboration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the score for this movie. Actually, I think it's one of the highlights of the film. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I would agree with. Uh, yes, I agree with that for sure. I think uh, who was doing the uh, the the music before Greenwood? Who who did the uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Punch Drunk. Oh, John music? John Bryan. Yes, I think I do like the John Bryan's. A little bit. This is, and I was about to say this is my favorite Greenwood, but then I remembered uh, There Will Be Blood. Um, yeah, I like this one, and I like There Will Be Blood a lot. I think, you know, Inherent Vice was, the music was all right. Uh, it was kind of like more about the soundtrack. Yeah, I don't know. It, it works really well in this, though. Uh, let's see here. Hey, included in the the 1001 movies you must see before you die. Okay, once we get to something like that, I think it's time to move into the plot, Jeremy. What do you you think? I say let's do it. In 1954 London, fashion designer Reynolds Woodcock creates dresses for members of high society, even royalty. Uh, His clients view him as a Genius, whose creations enable him to become their best selves. But his creativity and charm are matched by his obsession, uh, his obsessive and controlling personality. Yes. 
Um, so, <laughs> what do you think of this sort of introduction to the uh, the world of Phantom Thread? The, the you know the the Reynolds Woodcock character. It's it's delightful. It's charming. I love how wide the film is. How big the film looks, even though it's it's very small things happening on screen. It all just feels so mm. massive up there. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like whatever it is about the lenses they're using for this film, it just looks so larger than life. Like Cyril on the screen is massive. <laughs> like she's just big. I mean, larger than life. Yeah. And I and I love, you know, there's something to be said about the stuffy sort of pretentious British film that really makes you feel like you're watching something important, you know? And I believe 2017, so we're kind of getting just out of the Downton Abbey obsessiveness or obsession that, you know, gripped all of culture for a while. And uh, this kind of feels like the, the tail end of it, you know, the, uh, the Julian Flowers uh, stuff, the uh, Gosford Park uh, 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 British television and film. Um, yeah. I am a fan of this opening for sure. And I'm a fan of how it all unravels and how we get to meet all of our characters. I feel like we meet Alma in kind of a weird way. Like it's like she's being interviewed, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying to remember actually. Wait, is it? Yeah, it's like it's like weird. Like the the first time I think we see Alma, she's like talking to, or like I guess the film opens with her talking to somebody else. It's like somebody by, by a fire. They're like at inside. And there's a fire going. Mm. I think we learn later that that's like the police, or like a a, a doctor or somebody mm. who's been taking a look at Reynolds' condition or whatever. But it it's like. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it, it, so yeah, the film opens in this big, beautiful way. Man, big windows in that building too. <laughs> oh yeah, big old windows. Big old. I I gotta say, I love. Uh, I mean, the you know, pretty obvious uh, commentary, but the performances are incredible, and I love when. Uh, I love watching uh, very very well done. Uh, uh, what I'm assuming is accurate uh, depiction of like high society London mm-hmm. in like this era. Yes. Right? Like this, that specific thing is like very, um, I don't know what it like, it, it, it reaches the like pleasure centers in my brain. Like the, like watching when he listening to his like order, when he goes to that like fancy restaurant and the way, what he orders and like watching them, Honestly, like a lot of the food stuff. Oh, like when yeah. They're, they're He's a big eater in this. Yeah. That's part of his personality is that he eats like a psycho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. And it, just the way everyone carries themselves, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it is, it is a really cool, uh, it's a very cool specific time and location to, to put on film. Uh, so Cyril, his sister, manages the day-to-day operations of his fashion house and tries to protect him from anything that might distract him from his work. Which is women. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the superstitious Reynolds is haunted by the death of their mother 
and often uh, stitches hidden messages into linen uh, linens linings. linings? The li- linings, linings, oh. of, linings. <laughs> <laughs> of the dresses he makes. Uh, this is okay. So this whole, I so the whole film is named after this little, whatever you would call it, a, a little uh, habit of his, uh, phantom thread, right? Yeah. It's something they mention, and they never really. This isn't really a big deal <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, you. I mean, you kind of even forget about his mother until like he's sick in bed, you know, and he sees her. Yeah, yeah. It's it's strange. It's a, it's strange that like I feel like this should have been a bigger deal or made more made more of an impact on the film, but it doesn't. It's just kind of a, a random fact about him. Like, I guess there's something about his mother and the way he has this relationship with his sister and the way he's always looking for another, you know, another mate with all these different mm. women that he's been with or whatever. I mean, part of this movie, too, a little bit is about catching the big fish, right? It's about, mm. you know, his bachelor. You can't tie him down. And then, boom, here comes this woman who's like, no, I'm I'm hell bound to tie him down, you know? Um. Right. Um, Vicky Creeps is the old man, and uh, <laughs> Reynolds Woodcock is the uh, whatever the big fish big the old whale. man's trying big to catch. Whale. Big whale. Big Moby Dick. I was talking old man in the sea, but yeah, same. Mm-hmm. In same in in this in each story, there is a man trying to catch some type of a large, you know, nautical creature. Uh, after designing a new gown for a reverend client, the Countess of Harding, uh, Reynolds visits a restaurant near his country house and meets a foreign waitress, Alma Elsa. Oh, that's right. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's what I was. That's why I was confused because I was trying to remember if that is Alma that he meets. But yeah, it is. but I think we see Alma before this. We scene, do. Don't we do. We? I was. I. Yeah. We, I was wrong about her being interviewed at the beginning of this that's must be uh, something different but the beginning of the the very beginning of the film is Alma talking to a person about yeah something we don't know what it is but she's talking about Reynolds but we, we don't know who she's talking to but it's over a fire and then we see the yes. beginning of the film and then we meet Alma later so it's sort of like the film is sort of bookended with this weird interview Alma's doing about Reynolds yeah, you were getting things mixed up with, because uh, the same night you also watched the interview, mm-hmm. the Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg. Exactly, film, yes. And you were yeah. getting uh-huh. things confused. Yeah, I typically got, yeah, I got it confused <laughs> with the interview. The film that uh, that took Sony down. Um, Hold on a second. I want to, uh, I wa- I'm trying to look up the exact order I was I was thinking it might be it might be easy to find. Oh, here we go. This is what he orders. Uh, he looks her in the eyes and slowly requests Welsh rarebit with a poached egg, bacon, scones, butter, cream, jam, mm. a pot of lapsing soaking tea, <laughs> and some sausages. Uh, 
I don't know why. I, I, I want to make that someday. I want to make that. It's too much food. For like, That's way too much food. Too much. Well, how are you going to eat all that? <laughs> I guarantee you there is a uh, some type of a, 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 you know, a cafe that that charges like $40 for a, uh, uh, an America Americano in Brooklyn that does the uh, the Phantom Thread. They they have like the wood, the Reynolds Woodcock that you can order. You know how we were always um, talking about going to the Great Northern and going to visit. Yeah, we should. We now need to take a trip down to wherever this is in Wales or wherever and <laughs> and go order the Woodcock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, if we, I bet you we could split the Woodcock and we'd still wouldn't be able to finish it all. I don't know, dude. I can eat a lot. <laughs> I can eat a lot of scones. Uh, their relationship. Uh, she accepts his invitation to dinner. Their relationship blossoms, and she moves in with him. Uh, it's a very sexy. his model. Very sexy. Yeah, very interesting uh, first date. It's like uh, you know they're get naked. You know, actually, I I, I mean I gotta say like uh, baller move. Hey, let me uh, uh, you know. Make a dress for you yeah, on the first day. Pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, the only thing I could offer is, uh, hey, let me come do some improv for you. <laughs> yeah. Can I get a suggestion? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and also a couple bucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, meets, uh, yes. Okay. You met the waitress. They, you know, she moved in. Cyril initially disrupts Alma, but comes to respect her willingness uh, and determination. Uh, you know, I when Cyril shows up, I could not help but yell, "Awkward!" Yeah, yeah, I know. I I was blushing and sort of pulling at my uh, shirt collar, kind of like, "Ooh, <laughs> this is this is not going well." Yeah, uh, there was steam coming off. By the way, the sure. sentence Cyril initially distrusts Alma, but comes to respect her willfulness and determination. That sentence takes an hour of the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that is most of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at first, Alma enjoys being a part of Reynolds' work, but he uh, proves aloof. Hard to please and finicky. As a result, they start to bicker. One of the funniest scenes, too, is them bickering. I mean, the multiple bickerings. Do you, do you want me to take a gun and blow my brains or whatever Like the, he keeps saying over? <laughs> and it's so funny. I really like how he um, adamant he gets that he, he just cannot start his day with a confrontation. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, he just immediately... Uh, this just like terrible, unbearable man just like turns everything into like, uh, I can't deal with this. Yes. Like, <laughs> you're like making me feel uncomfortable or bad. So this has to stop. Uh, yeah. When Alma, uh, tries to show her love for Reynolds by preparing a romantic dinner, he lashes out saying he will not tolerate deviations from the routines mm. he has worked hard to perfect. I think also the first time I watched this movie, because I, you know, I there weren't people really like laughing and stuff. No. I did see it in like a pretty full theater. Same. And, you know, if other people aren't laughing at stuff, I'm like, well, I guess it reminds me of when we did, uh, when we talked about Midsommar. Yes. Is my, the theater I saw it in, 
no one was laughing and it was i kind of just watched it as like a crazy horror movie mm-hmm. and i remember you mentioned in your viewing people were like laughing out loud like slapping their knees the whole time yeah it's like the and wrong that part made me realize, <laughs> <laughs> that made me realize that uh you know it's a cot maybe it's uh, supposed to be kind of it's supposed to be funny and over the top or whatever but when i watched this movie i was kind of like the first time i was like well is this really just a movie about a guy who's mean? Exactly. Like, yes. Well, that's the thing is I, my first viewing at the um, at the ArcLight, it, it was dead silent, not a peep the entire movie. So we all watched it with the same, and it was tonally felt very serious. But then I saw it at the Ace Hotel with, of course, Johnny Greenwood and Paul Thomas Anderson. And people were like busting up and it was making me and Jackie laugh. We were like, I can't believe seeing it with a whole different audience brings this movie a whole different type of energy. And I'm going to tell you, I left that viewing way, it was way better than the viewing yeah. I had at the Arclight. Even though both were fun, this was like actually more fun. And I even fell asleep at the Ace Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, the, the movie started, I think, at midnight. I think it was a midnight showing or a 10, 10 p.m. showing. Yes. So I brought this up before. You also fell asleep at a uh, war on drugs concert that we went. I to, did um, at the at the Greek. Oh yeah, man! Fell asleep oh man! I'm a sure. I'm a sleepy boy. <laughs> um. So this this is a great. This is what one of the great good laughs in the movie too. I forget what it cuts from. It cuts from some confrontation or argument to uh, Alma reading a book about poisonous mushrooms. Yes, yes. Basically. Great cut. And we, you know, very quickly realize that she is planning to, and she's comparing a wild mushroom that she had picked Mm -hmm. to one in a book. Yes. uh, Of poisonous mushrooms. And uh, so she's planning to poison Reynolds uh, as he readies a wedding gown for a Belgian princess. Reynolds collapses, (laughs) damaging... uh, the dress and forcing his staff to work all night to repair it. Yes. Um, he becomes gravely ill and has hallucinations of his mother. Alma stays by his side, tirelessly nursing him back to hell. <laughs> this um, movie's insane. I think we... <laughs> what... Uh, 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 did we skip over the... I, I think we skipped over the part. Who's the lady that he made the dress I for? Know, I know, I know. I wanted to bring it up too. Whatever. It might be the Countess of Harding, right? The revered client. Okay. Yeah, yeah, who like... She gets really drunk and makes a mess or whatever and embarrasses... It's like weird because like... Because she's so drunk and crazy, it embarrasses Reynolds that he made a dress for her. So then they all they they carry her up to her room and then they take the dress off of her <laughs> and steal it back. Yeah. Because she's defiled yeah. it by being such a drunken slob. Uh after Reynolds recovers, he tells Alma that a house that does not change is a dead house mm-hmm. and asks her to marry him. Mm-hmm. Uh taken aback, she hesitates but then accepts. Uh, following a pleasant Swiss honeymoon, however, Reynolds and Alma uh, start bickering again as Reynolds' um, domineering personality reasserts itself. Uh, Cyril reveals to Reynolds that the Countess is now a client at a rival fashion house and suggests that his classic conservative designs may be going out of style. Mm. 
When does he freak out about the word chic? Because that's also really funny. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny, though. <laughs> I feel like it's around this point. Yeah. Uh, Reynolds blames Alma for being more a distraction than an inspiration, and Alma overhears him tell Cyril that it may be time to end the marriage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And this is like, yeah. is this like when they have that fight and she like goes to that party and he like goes yeah, to find her? Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird part. It's like a New Year's Eve party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the country house, Alma makes Reynolds an omelet poisoned with the same mushrooms. As he chews his first bite, she informs him that she wants him weak and vulnerable so that he has to depend on her to take care of him. Uh, Reynolds willingly swallows the bite and tells her to kiss him. As Reynolds lies ill once again, Alma imagines their future with children, a rich social life, and with a bigger role for her in the dressmaking business. Uh, she acknowledges that while there may be challenges ahead, their love and their complementary needs can overcome them. I have to be honest. I didn't really piece this together about the ending, the fact that he's willingly... Oh, you didn't? That's the biggest part. That's the best part of the whole yeah. movie is that he he realizes simultaneously that he wants to be sick too. <laughs> it's crazy. No, it, no, Garrett, it's psycho. Like this whole movie yeah, is like great. kind of a boring nothing and then it becomes like the most psychotic psychological thriller ever. <laughs> it's it's super weird. I mean I mean I'm I'm being hyperbolic, but it is it is super uh it is a super wild uh turn for yeah. for Reynolds. Yeah. So Jeremy, what do you think of Phantom Thread? Where you you know let's let's see let's hear some Chucky freckles. Where does it rank on your you know on my scale? scale? Well, again, like you said, it's not it's my least favorite PTA film is uh, Hard Eight. Um, even though it has a exact same score as Inherent Vice, um, I like this film better than those, but. I don't like it better than Magnolia. I don't like it better than Boogie Nights or The Master or Punch Drunk. There'll be blood. I like it a lot, though. I think it's a great movie. Um, mm. One that I will definitely revisit again. You know, I'm going to revisit all these again. Who am I kidding? I think that this film to me is really beautiful. And I think that, like, all of. Paul Thomas Anderson's more mature films that it kind of has that like, Oh, I will. I, I feel like this, this movie is going to be like way better in my forties. I don't know why I have that idea, but I just think it will. So anyways, all that to say, I'm going to give this a 3.25. Mm. Chucky Freckles Love. out of four. It gets the Mortal Kombat score, three point two five. Finish him, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and we did finish him. We finished Paul Thomas Anderson's mm. movies. Um, yes, I would agree. I would say this is the this is forty of <laughs> <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson's yes uh, work. Uh, yeah, I mean, the more actually talking about it, I I actually like this movie even more than I did like. A half hour ago. Right. Um, 
I, I'm realizing there's a lot more that I liked about this movie. I think what kind of just goes without saying that we didn't really talk about too much is, and you mentioned this, but it, it just looks incredible. I mean, it's, it's so good. And we say this about every PTA movie, but it's, I mean, I could watch this movie with the sound off. I agree. Yeah. Most of it. I agree. Um, and you know it's great. Uh, I have I gave Heart Eight a two point seven five, um, and I gave Inherent Vice a three. Uh, you know I think I think I owe it to this movie to to keep it to give it at least a three. So I think I'm gonna I, I'm gonna give it a three out of four. Nice, nice. And, uh, yeah, I think you know. Um, you know, I don't know. I did. We did a Patreon episode, didn't we? Where we like after we covered Lynch and Kubrick, where we did a ranking. Yeah. We're do gonna, we want to do that again for, the, for these to. guys? We have to. All right. <laughs> okay. I mean, we, well. the numbers are basically all in at this point. Right. 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 Uh, okay. So that uh, that wraps up our uh, Paul Thomas Anderson coverage. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, do you still? Uh, how do you feel about doing the uh, the Three Musketeers Pompeii Challenge this week? Oh, I feel great. I feel excited? absolutely pumped. Except what sucks is you've already seen Three Musketeers. I have to watch both <laughs> this week. Uh, I and I will say that not only did we wrap up Paul Thomas Anderson's films, but if you if you subscribe to the Patreon, we're covering Anima this week. The uh, the short film uh, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, the Tom York album Anima. Uh, which t- which truly wraps up almost everything he's ever filmed. So, yeah, yeah we covered we covered the uh, hell out of really PTA. crazy. Yeah, um, excited to talk about that. And yes, yeah, so uh, let's see, Jeremy. Anything? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy. You can find all the goodies there. there. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. Everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, and we will see you on the other side. Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.